Like I said, I don't know what's on them, what ain't. I got ready to, I printed them a while ago and I looked and the back of the front page was on the back and the back page was in the middle and I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how things got so turned around, but oh lordy. And then when I stand back there a while ago, she looked at, she said, what's my name doing on there? I said, well, it was up there, but I changed it and put my name there. She said, well, my name's back. And I said, well, sorry. I mean, when it comes to a computer, I can I can do a little bit, but a little bit's all I can do because I don't fool with them. I got my Bible program on there. I got my print document on there, Word, where I can write things down, search script, and that's all I do. I search scripture, search definitions of words, and other than that, I don't fool with a computer because I don't like them. <laughs> they don't like me either. <laughs> but the Lord started dealing with me this week about the mind, about our minds. This thing that governs us every day. And he said, as long as we keep putting natural and carnal things into our minds, we're never going to reach that place to have a spiritual mind. There's got to be a discipline somewhere, take hold of God's people, that we start pushing things aside. And I know we got responsibilities in the natural. I know we do. I mean, I've been in business. I know there's responsibilities. I know that you can get covered over. And I know that if you let things, they'll keep you occupied 14, 15 hours a day, seven days a week. And people will tell you, when you start talking, Brother Matter, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to study the Word. I don't have time. I said, no, you don't take time. You don't take time because you occupy your mind with other things. But the Lord got to deal with me about the mind. And you know, people will quote that scripture in Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in me. Well, Christ Jesus is the resurrected man. Jesus Christ walked this earth because if you break it down, Jesus Christ... Jesus was man. Christ is the anointing. So before his death, burial, and resurrection, he was man anointed. After his resurrection, he was Christ Jesus, or he was anointed man or anointed flesh, because he's still a man. He's still a man. Because the Bible plainly says in, uh, I think it's in 1 Timothy 2 and 5, there's one God. One mediator between God and men the man, Christ Jesus. So he's still that go-between. Because that man part of him thinks, knows, and understands just like why he come the way he did. So he would know and understand everything man went through. He was conceived in Mary's womb, grew a flesh and bone blood body, and was made in the likeness of sinful flesh just like me and you. So he could face temptation, so he'd go through Everything we went through, the Bible said he was tempted in all points like as we are. But he chose not to sin. He was determined he was going to be that pleasing sacrifice. He was going to be that body that God created, the lamb, without spot and without blemish. And I believe that. And I believe he came to be made like us, that we could become like him. And that's my goal is to become like him, to put on his mind, put on his nature, Put on his attributes and also put on that power and authority of that game. What did John say when he come preaching? He said, prepare ye the way of the Lord for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You look the word kingdom up is a place where a king rules. When y'all pray the Lord's prayer, you pray and say our father which art in heaven. I believe our father's in heaven. But then you Say, hallowed be thy name. But then you pray, our ki- thy kingdom come. The kingdom that's up there that rules heaven, and he rules everything up there. He said, let it come to earth. Because this is still the devil's territory. Adam gave it to him. He took control of it. And that's why sometimes it's, it gets to be a fight. Just live down here. But he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of heaven 
is being revealed in us that that authority and dominion that God placed in man in the beginning can come back to live and reign in us. That's why John said, prepare, get ready, get ready. And I want this mind that was in Christ Jesus to be revealed in me. I want his life. I want his nature. Amen. I don't just want him in my heart. I want him to take control of me. Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, the life that I live in the flesh. He said, it's not I that live. He said, it's Christ that liveth in me. I want Christ to live in me. Amen. I want Christ to live in me. I want the very life of Jesus to be made manifest in my mortal flesh. I ain't talking about immortal. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul said that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. I will think like him, walk like him, act like him, talk like him, do like him. Amen. Is anybody with me today? But it's this mind. This mind is not governed. And when I'm preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me. We got to govern this thing. You know, people love to quote that scripture. And, and I've said it many times. If I ever see Paul, which I think I'll see him one day, I'm going to ask him why he couldn't name them books something else. To the first Timothy, second Timothy, first Thessalonians. Because I always get them mixed up. What's in first and what's in second? So I don't know if it's First Timothy or Second Timothy, but I do do know it's the first chapter in the seventh verse. It said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And you look at word sound up in the original Greek, it means a self disciplined mind that you discipline your mind to be stayed on the things of the Lord. You discipline yourself. To keep your mind stayed on the things of the Lord. And Isaiah 26 and 3 plainly says that the man whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, he'll keep him in perfect peace. How many people have you talked to that tell you they don't have any peace? People don't have peace. Even Christians live in fear. I mean, I've had people tell me, I remember back in 1995, uh, 4th of July, I remember it well, I was in a little town called Fife, Alabama, had a tent up about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Tornado set out. Oh, man, about 30 minutes. My equipment was flying everywhere. I mean, tore that tent up. Organ, sound system, everything just flying everywhere. Tent tore all to pieces. Lost about $10,000 in the blink of an eye. And some people that was there in the tent, they tried to hold the tent. I was on my way trying to get there because I seen the storm coming in. And they tried to hold the tent, and one lady, a quarter pole, come loose and hit her, broke her arm. And I got over a tent lot and prayed for her, and God put her arm back together. But anyway, went through that, and so my dad had a church about four or five miles down the road, so I moved to revival down the church. I told him, I said, go get my other tent. So what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to put it up right here. So we cleaned that one up. I sent the people who was working with me to get by the tent. And we put it up. About three days had it up. Ready? We started to revival back under the tent. And sometimes I'll just get bold in the Holy Ghost. And I'll just get right in the devil's face. They come to me after service. I said, Brother Metter, I want you to quit talking like that. I said, Why? said, you're going to stir the devil up. I said, you afraid of the devil? Well, we don't want him mad at us. We don't want him stirred up. He said, we're about ready to give up and go home. I said, well, you're about ready to give up and go home for Well, here we are out here trying to help people and do something for God, and God lets the tent get tore up. I said, okay, it's God's. He gave it to me. I got ready to put the other one up. The devil told me, he said, you put that up, I'll blow it down too. I said, go ahead. God wants me to take ministry or give me something else. I ain't afraid of the devil. There are people that walk, supposed to walk with God and believe God. They're afraid of what the devil can do to them. I ain't afraid of what Satan can do. I got my confidence in Jesus. Got my faith in him. 
I said, you mean tell me this little old trial right here is going to cause y'all to pack up and go home? I said, you might as well pack up and go home then. I said, because you start preaching the gospel, and God starts moving and saving and healing and delivering people. I said, the enemy going to fight. You just mark it down. The enemy going to fight. You can preach something that don't stir nothing up. Devil leave you alone. Had one man tell me when I was pastoring over in Alabama, he, he said, you know something? He said, I can pray at home and I will have no problem. He said, I come over here to church to pray with y'all for service. He said, I fight every devil in hell. <laughs> he said, man, until I started coming here and started listening to you preach, he said, the devil didn't give me no trouble. I said, you better thank God. <laughs> I said, because God's putting you through trials, He wants to work something in you. Amen. Your trials are to prove you. Your trials are to work out of you that that's displeasing to the Lord and cause you to mature and grow. But the Lord got to deal with me about the, the mind. You know, in uh Philippians, and I quoted a while ago, 2 and 5, Paul said that this mind... That was in Christ Jesus. Let it be also. Let me find my scripture. I don't want to misquote, misquote it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. That Christ Jesus is after the resurrection. So we're not going to walk around here with a carnal mind and do everything to entertain the flesh. Keep our mind totally on. I, I mean, it's like people ain't satisfied with nothing. Heard a preacher say one time, he said, a woman's blonde-headed, she diet brown. She brown-headed, she diet red. <laughs> said she's skinny, she wants gain weight. She's heavy, she wants to lose weight. Said nobody's satisfied with anything. Said if you're light-skinned, you won't be dark. If you're dark, you won't be light. Said people light-skinned will go get tanned, and people real dark go get bleached. I said, you know something, that makes a lot of sense. It's like people ain't satisfied with nothing. They always want something everybody else has got. Man, I wish I had so-and-so's money. I wish I lived in so-and-so's house. Wish I had so-and-so's car. If I had the money they had, I wouldn't have no worries. Now, I don't know about that. They always told me the more money you got, the more problems you got. So I don't know. Cause I ain't, <laughs> but I ain't, I ain't after Worldly game. Jesus said a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Amen. Two brothers come to him and said, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So he's trying to run off with everything. He said, I don't worry about that stuff. He said, the abundance of a man's life consists not in the things which he possesses. Paul said, you, you be assured of one thing. He said, you brought nothing into this world. You're going to carry nothing out. Amen. Reminds me of a story I heard years ago. Two two brothers borrowed $10,000 from their daddy each. And the daddy said in one condition, said, when I die, you got to pay it back. So they was at the funeral home. One brother walked up and put $10,000 cash in the coffin. The other went up and wrote a check. <laughs> and the brother looked at him and he said, what? He said, my check's good. But it's not what you possess. Amen. Paul said, you didn't bring nothing in this world and you ain't carrying nothing out. He said, gain is not godliness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Be content in your walk and your relationship with God. Having that peace and that contentment with where you walk in with God, that's great gain. But just to get all this stuff in this world, he said, gain is not godliness. It's not godliness. And all the preaching now is to get people to try to get material possessions. All material possessions going to do is cause you problems. Amen. Now, I do want money to preach the gospel of this kingdom to the ends of the earth. 
to help missions, to be able to, if I want to do something for God, I want the finances there. If I want to go to India, need $10,000 to make a mission trip, set something up, get over there, and God speaks to me, build a church, I want the finances to build a church. Because I've been in India, and I've preached in open fields. I preached in straw huts. I preached off a man's back porch. That was his church. Old man in his backyard. That's why I prayed for that little boy. He was deaf and dumb. God healed him. Then people seen God heal that deaf and dumb boy. I had nearly a hundred people turn and accept Jesus. Sitting on the ground in the man's backyard. I would have liked to have built him a church. Didn't have finances at that time. Still don't have the finances. But I believe it's coming today that we're going to have what we need to do things for God. Amen. It's like we're trying to get all this live stream set up to minister into Africa. And we're just about there. And God opened the door for me and blessed me that uh, uh, somebody that grew up around me works in the television industry. And they put me in touch with one of the big engineers, one of the big TV stations. And he, uh, he called me this week and was telling me how to set certain things up in the YouTube studio so we'd get the best quality and best sound. I said, man, ain't that a blessing? Ain't that a privilege? Because whatever I do for God, I want it to be done right. And he was telling me, he said, I don't care what kind of message you got, preacher, what kind of words you got, how God's moving in your life. He said, you put something junky out there that looks cheap and looks bad. Your sound quality's bad. He said, people going to turn you off in a heartbeat. He said, but if you got something that you're doing your best. Amen. Amen. He said, looks good and sounds good. He said, people going to take time to listen to you for a few minutes anyway. And I believe he's right. Amen. Y'all know good and well. If something comes on that you can't hear it, can't understand it, poor quality, poor picture, you're going to cut it off. You're going to turn something else. And I believe God, just what he said. You know, the word says, and I believe it's in Luke 2 and 40, said, Jesus waxed strong in spirit. Wisdom had favor with God and men. I believe God's putting in this place now. He's going to give us favor with God and men. But Paul was writing here. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, or the resurrected Christ. But you gotta discipline yourself to keep things out of your mind, out of your spirit. Well, Brother Better, I can't help what comes to my mind. No, but you don't have to entertain them. You don't have to entertain thoughts come to your mind. Amen? You don't have to dwell on them. It's like the Lord told me a long time ago. You entertain, uh, let somebody come to your house and you entertain them, feed them, make them comfortable. They'll wind up staying. <laughs> They'll stay with you. Well, for every time a wrong thought or an evil thought or an ungodly thought comes to your mind and you start thinking on it, entertaining it, letting it dwell there, it's going to hang around. It's what Titus said in, in Titus 2 and 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Everything you do starts right here in your mind. Does it not? I don't care if you're laying in bed in the morning, you're going to get a cup of coffee, get up and go get a cup. you got a mental picture. It starts right up here with the thought. It starts with your thought process. You look up the word mind, it means your intellect, your thought process, whether divine or natural. And that's exactly what it is. It's that mind. It's that mind. And it starts, you get a mental picture, and then whether you ever say anything verbally or not, you tell yourself in your spirit, get up and do what you're thinking. Is that right? So, if we let the wrong spirit or the wrong thoughts get in our mind and start thinking, and we don't stop them, rebuke them, you know, it's like the Lord told us, uh, well, my wife had that vision of, David slaying Goliath, she saw him sling that stone when he hit him, hit him in the forehead and sunk down his forehead. And I think 
what the Lord told her was, we've been given the ability to slay the carnal mind. We've been given the ability. Why do you think Jesus come like he did? He came like he did and showed us that as a man, we could slay the carnal mind. We didn't have to give in to sin. We did not have to surrender to evil. But he came. He didn't sin. He didn't sin. But he was tempted in all points, like as we are. Now, if he wasn't made in the likeness of sinful flesh, he couldn't have been tempted like we are. I had somebody tell me one time, said, well, he was a 100% man, he could have sinned, but then he was 100% God and couldn't. I said, now, wait a minute. I said, if he's a 100% man and he could have sinned, then he's a 100% God and he couldn't have sinned, that makes him 200%. I said, something ain't making sense. And I said, if he's a 100% man, which I agree with, but he's a 100% God, I said, I ain't a, I, I said, I'm a 100% man, but I ain't a 100% God. So if he came, made in the likeness of sinful flesh, made like me and you, according to Romans 8, and according to Hebrews 2, that he, he didn't take on him the nature of angels. He took on him the seed of Abraham. And it pleased him to be made like unto his brother. Amen? If he's my example, he's got to be made just like me. And he got to teach me that I can do it, that I can overcome, that I'm made an overcomer through his blood, through his spirit, through his word. And I got to learn to discipline this thing up here. I got to learn to control it. Got to learn to control it. I can't let every ungodly, evil, angry, perverted, upset thought. Because I'm going to tell you something, something can upset you. And you dwell on it, you can get, oh man, you get mad. I mean, you get mad if you don't contain that thing, you can hurt somebody. I mean, I wasn't ever a person to get mad real quick. But you have made me mad before I come to the Lord. And even after I come to the Lord, I had to learn. You made me mad. I mean, really made me mad. And I'd see stars. I'd see red, red, white, blue, and green lights. And I don't care how big you was. I'd tear into you like a buzzsaw. I've been whipped more times than i got fingers and toes to count on because I picked on somebody a whole lot bigger than I was. It's because it made me mad. See, I didn't have no control over my flesh. Once we come to Jesus and His Spirit comes in, which is the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ, then we're supposed to begin to put on His nature. Amen. We're supposed to begin to think like He thinks. Walk like he walked, talk like he talked. Have his attributes, have his nature. And this scripture right here says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what was the mind that was in Christ Jesus? Can anybody tell me? What was the mind that was in Christ Jesus? We'll go to verse 6. Who being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So being made like us, his desire and his mind was to be made like his father. And he taught us. Amen. He taught us that we could be brought back to where God created man. We could be reconciled back to God. We could be reconciled. The word reconciled means to be restored to divine favor. I don't believe Jesus come to save our souls. I believe He came to destroy the works of the devil. It's what the Bible says in, in 1 John 3 and 8, He that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil sinneth of the, from the beginning. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. If you got Christ in you, you shouldn't be in bondage to the works of the devil. You should not be in bondage. I'm going to Romans the 8th chapter. I appreciate the Lord today, man. I feel good. I feel like the Lord really started up my understanding of some things this morning. And I feel real good in my spirit. 
Well, I thought I'd lost Romans. I was looking. Uh, I was looking on the other side of Second Corinthians, but I forgot. So it's, uh, it's the back side. Uh, let's just go to Romans 12, and then I'll go to Romans 8. I hope this is helping y'all today. Appreciate having this brother come be with us. He said he'd been listening to us on the radio. We're glad for that. Every time I pray about canceling, I'll have about 10 or 15 people. I said, Brother Meadow, we're listening to you. I said, well, okay, that's good. I said, how about writing me sometime letting me know? You know, just, I ran into a man here about a month ago. Uh, we'd been ministering up in Tennessee and we went on down right at the Calhoun exit there and we went off to the outlet because we don't get much time to do stuff like that. We had a couple of hours and I wanted to see about getting me a sport coat, you know, because I'm starting to get calls to do some weddings and stuff. and You know, I like to try to look nice, presentable. I tell somebody sometimes, I don't clean up too bad for a trashy white boy. <laughs> you dress me up and I'll look good most of the time. <laughs> but y'all love the Lord. It's all right to have a little humor. But, so, pulled in there, Probably five, six hundred cars in that place. It'd been so long, and I think they doubled the size of it. I don't know. A lot of people there. So I pulled up to the store. I was going to go in, got out, didn't go ten feet. Somebody said, well, there's Brother Matter. I said, okay. And I looked, and this lady and another man walked up to me, and he started telling me, he said, Brother Matter. He said, I'm listening. And both of us listening to me on the radio. He said, man, I'm enjoying that preaching. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I can tell you something else. I said, what's that? He said, we were out eating after service here about a month or so ago. He said, and I got talking about you. And he said, I found out about 90% of the young people at church listening to you too. He said, man, they loving that preaching. Feed somebody on the Word. I remember the Lord told me, because I grew up in all this restrictions, all this doctrine, you can't do this. And I grew up. Around some of that stuff. And the Lord told me, I had been in the tent ministry about seven, eight years. And the Lord told me one night, he said, you're running off more people when you're getting saved. He said, quit preaching that stuff. Start preaching me crucified. Amen. He said, get people saved. Get them seeking for my spirit to live in them. He said, my spirit gets in them. He said, whatever ain't pleasing to me, he said, I'll clean them up. So I quit preaching and just started preaching Jesus. Faith, healing, deliverance. The Lord asked me, he said, did I clean you up? I said, boy, did you ever? <laughs> he said, well, if I cleaned you up, I can clean them up. You rest sure of one thing. God cleaned you up, he can clean them up. God took them drugs out of your system. Whatever your weakness was, whatever you were bound with, God cleaned you up, he can clean anybody else up. Amen. But we got to let God clean them up. All we got to do is point them to Jesus. Get them to repent. Get them seeking after that Spirit of Christ to live in them. Because the Spirit of Christ, the Bible said He's a teacher. Amen. Does it not say He's a teacher? It said He will guide you into what? All truths. All truths. And I tell people, I said, what's in me? I was neither taught it by man, didn't learn it from man, but everything's in me, I received it by the Revelation of Jesus Christ by the teaching of the Word. Because when I come to the Lord, when I was 19, nearly 20 years old, I knew two things, Pop. I knew Jesus saved and I knew He healed. That's the only two things I knew. Now you ask me about somebody in that Bible, I could tell you all about them. I heard their, I heard their stories all my life. I'd raised in church. Till I was 16 years old, I was in church. All the time. We didn't miss church. We had revival. We didn't miss church. And back then, revivals wasn't three-day meetings. This sometimes three- and four-week meetings. We'd come in from school. Mama said, get your homework. Get ready. We're going to church. Mama, we've been in church ten nights. Don't matter if it's another ten. You get ready, you're going to church. 
Don't miss church. Now people, anything that comes up, God just put on back burner. Birthdays, anniversaries, especially anything, people just ball games. God just put on back burner. Not me, don't. I played sports growing up. But my mom and daddy told me, he said, you go get on that ball team. He said, you tell your coach or I'll tell him one. You don't miss church for practice. You don't miss church for a game. So if you got a game, if they schedule a game on a Sunday or if you schedule practice on Wednesday night, you just go ahead and tell them you ain't going to be there. And if a Bible breaks out, you just saw it, boy. <laughs> See, mom and daddy loved God. God was first. God was her first priority. Amen. I grew up in a home where my mom and daddy prayed. And if we got sick, mom and daddy go to prayer. And if they couldn't move God, they'd get a half a dozen saints come over to the house and they'd get in prayer and pray. And I've seen God heal pneumonia, measles, mumps, chicken pox, broke bones, bad burns. I grew up with a true and a living God. And I keep telling people, I said, we got to get God back in the home. Brother Miller, you want prayer back in school? Yeah, but don't want to get prayer back in school. Get God back in the home. You get God back in the home, get people praying, get people seeking God, it'll turn this nation around. And prayer will get back in schools. Families will get back together. Stop all this crazy stuff. I'm going to tell you something. You get folks praying, just people in church right now, you get them truly praying, truly seeking God. And get in a relationship with God, get the Spirit of God, get serving God, acknowledging God, it'll stop abortion. It'll stop all this divorce. It'll stop all this craziness going on in our government. It'll stop all this hatred and racial division. It'll stop it all because God will begin to put the love of God in people's hearts. But everybody wants to try to fix something, but they don't want to go back to the problem. We got to go back to the problem. I mean, I've heard I've heard people say, I've heard politicians say, problem with the church is in the home. It's in the home. Y'all with me? It's in the home. Do I want prayer back in schools? Yes, sir. But just saying a little prayer ain't in, school, in school ain't the problem. It's because God's not in the home is the problem. There's no acknowledgement. There's no talking about God. I'm going to tell you something. My kids grew up. God was in my home. The only mistake I made, I didn't teach my kids to pray. And I acknowledge that. Did they know their daddy was a praying man? Yes, sir. Did they know their mama was a praying woman? Yes, sir. Did they know about the things of God? Yes, sir. Was they raised in tent revivals and church and around miracles? Yes, sir. But I didn't take time to teach them to pray. And that's my fault. That's my fault. And I, I, and I take the blame for that. But I'm going to tell you something. My grandkids are learning. <laughs> Might have made a mistake with my kids, but my grandkids are learning. But my grandkids come to my house. That woman in there, she talks to them about Jesus, reads them Bible stories. Sometimes I'll I'll get down on the floor with them and, and and read them a Bible story or uh get a video or something or a CD and and put it on and we'll watch Bible story together. You know why? Because it's their foundation. It's their foundation. We've let this mind get caught up in too many things. We let it get caught up in too many things. But if we'll go back to what Romans 12 and 1 says, he said right here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And he said, that's your reasonable. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your reasonable service for you to present your bodies and it didn't say W-H-O-L-L-Y, which means completely, but I believe God wants us to complete. It said holy, H-O-L-Y, which means clean, pure, undefiled. God wants you to present yourself to him, a, a sacrifice that's acceptable unto him. Amen? God don't want no, I, I mean, how many times in the Word did God say, don't you bring me a lamb with spot or blemish? You don't bring me a sacrifice, you bring me something without spot, without blemish. You can come to God and God will take you like you are and He'll clean you up. But God don't want to have to wash you every time you come to Him. He don't want to have to clean you up. He wants you to serve Him and present yourself to Him that He can begin to change you. Just like He went on and said right here, 
a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed. The word conform here means fashioned like the world. Don't be fashioned like the world. But be transformed. Look the word transformed up. It means remodeled. God wants to remodel you. Amen. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't serve God with a carnal mind. Can't serve God with a carnal mind. Bible tell you in Romans eight chapter, I believe it's six verse seventh verse in there somewhere. He said the carnal mind is God's enemy. It's enmity. It opposes everything that's God. It's got its own nature. And it ain't subject to the law of God, and it ain't going to be. So we can't take, I don't care how good you are, I don't care how honest, how decent, how ethical, how upright you are. And I know people that don't serve God, that they're honest, they're ethical, they're upright. But that still don't wash their sins away, and that still don't bring them in that place where God can do something in their lives. Because it's by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And that's why the Lord told us. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The way we think, the way we act, what we do. We've got to let the Spirit of God start changing us. We've got to let the Spirit of God start changing us and not let everything that floats in on butterfly wings take its abode in our mind, in our spirit, and think on things that's going to cause us trouble. I don't want to think on things that's going to cause me trouble. Because I know how much in the flesh we can get. And you get in the flesh, you start thinking on things and entertain things. devil mess you up. Amen? Because the devil works through those. I think it's 18 works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19. He works through every one of them. He works through them emotions. He works through the lust of the flesh. Those things up. And you let a thought get in your mind that ain't right, go ahead and plead the blood over it. Go ahead and rebuke it. Lord told me back in 2013, I started telling people, it's time to start rebuking the carnal mind. People looked at me and said, well, I'm born with this mind. I said, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. If it was, Lord wouldn't have told me to rebuke it. But y'all rebuke. How many of y'all will rebuke a spirit of sickness? You rebuke the spirit of fear. You rebuke things that you feel like ain't right. Then you can rebuke the carnal mind. You can rebuke the carnal mind. Because when David turned that stone loose, it sank in Goliath's forehead. The forehead's a type of the mind. That rock is a type of Christ. So that spirit of Christ went into the mind. And buddy David took his enemy out. It's time to take the enemy out. Amen. It's time to take the enemy out and present our bodies a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which he said is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned like this world. Don't be fat. That, that don't mean your outward dress. Lord have mercy. Bible said we're peculiar people. We're strange. We're different. Let me tell you something. When you get mad and grumpy and irritated and aggravated and you act like everybody else. You ain't peculiar. You ordinary. <laughs> you ordinary. You just like everybody else. You just conform. You fashion like this world. He wasn't talking about your outward dress. He talking about don't act. Don't have the same attributes. Don't have the same disposition. Don't have the mind of people in the world. But be changed. Be renewed. Be transformed. Because the Spirit of Christ We'll renew your mind if you'll set your mind on it. You'll study on the things of God. When, when God spoke to Joshua and told him, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. He said, now it's up to you to lead my people. He said, you set my word before your eyes. You don't depart from it to the right, to the left. You keep it before your eyes day and night. And don't you, don't you turn away from it. He said, you set it before your eyes. You meditate on it day and night. We 
pray 30, 40 minutes, read the Word 30 minutes. We think we've done our duty, and then we'll go do everything we want to do. That's all right. Just keep studying that Word. Just keep praying. It'll get a hold of you. It'll get a hold of you. I got a Bible program on a uh, an app on my phone. And every morning, whatever time I get up, 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, depends, varies day by day. Most time I'm up by 4.30, 5 o'clock. And I'm in there in the living room sitting in that chair. And I'm reading that Bible on that app. And I'm listening to it. I'm reading it and listening to it. And when I first started, it, it ain't about three or four chapters. You, you can do it about 10, 15 minutes. Now I spend an hour, hour and a half reading that word. I can read a year's Bible program in two months, three months. I didn't read the Bible through twice since last fall. Now I started on the third time. Why? I want that word in me. I want that word in me. Do I need that Bible app? No. I don't need it. But it puts that word before my eyes. Speaks it and puts it in my spirit. Then they have other little things on their different studies and Different things that you can click on may do seven, ten days or something like that. Sometimes I'll do one of them. Just get a, a different insight. You know, we don't know everything. There are people out there that can help us if we'll listen. I mean, what I know, God's revealed to me, I know. But what I don't know, I need to learn. I mean, I need to learn. Because I grew up in church. And I've seen a lot of things ain't right. But I've seen a lot of things all right. And I want God teaching me right from wrong. Because it ain't what I think's right or wrong. It's what His Spirit thinks is right and wrong. Amen. So, when you let God start changing us. And when something comes to our mind ain't right. Like my daddy used to tell me. <laughs> you know, I'd be doing something and I'd, I'd aggravate, you know. Sometimes us kids just go aggravate daddy, get his attention. There's about, there, there were six of us. And sometimes we'd go, you know, do something. Daddy'd be doing something or trying to do something. And we'd go aggravate him, get his attention. Finally, he'd look at us and say, boy, you better catch me some air. <laughs> In other words, what he'd say, you better get gone. You better go find something to do. I'm fixing to set your britches on fire. <laughs> so sometimes you just need to stop and say, devil. Better catch me some air. <laughs> Quit messing with me. Quit messing with me. You don't have to do no long speech. Just do like Gabriel did. The Bible said when he disputed with him for the body of Moses, said, Satan, Lord rebuke thee. Lord rebuke thee. Get behind me. Get gone. Got time for you. Amen. We gotta learn to condition this mind and set it on the Lord. Just like I said, you know, my wife used to tell my son, said, more things you put in your spirit that ain't of God, the more things you don't have to get out. <laughs> she said, it just boils down to spirit in, spirit out. You put it in there and it ain't of God, and God starts dealing with you, you go out and get it out. So, we just need to start disciplining ourselves. Y'all know the root word of disciples? Discipline. Discipline. We need to discipline ourselves to live by this right here. Because people today, they, they just love good church. They love good shouting, good singing. They love feel good. I do too. But when everything falls apart, y'all pardon my straightforwardness, but there's saying that things go to hell in the handbasket. When everything crashes in around me, I want something that's going to keep me. I want, I want something that's going to help me stand. like that parable that Jesus told him in, I believe it's in Luke 6. He said, man dug down deep. He found that rock. And on that rock, he built his house. When the winds and the floods and the rains come in, beat vehemently against his house. Didn't move. Do you have something in you that won't move? Just ever I got something in me that won't move. When you called me and that Brother Donald got pitched off that four-wheeler, laying there on the ground unconscious, one side of his head all bloodied, 
I didn't get rattled. She called me and I said, Sister Deborah, calm down. I can't understand you. But I mean, she had right to be excited. I said, calm down. I can't understand what she's saying. And when she finally told me, did I tell you to put your hand on him? I can't even remember now. And I just prayed for her faith. About 10, what, about 10 minutes before the paramedics got there? And just the paramedics got there. That prayer kicked in. He started coming around. They ain't no telling what had happened to you. And God stepped in. I fell off a roof in 2000. Fell 22 feet and landed on my stomach. Busted myself. I, I mean, messed up my pelvic bone. Broke two ribs. Fractured that elbow. Had a disc smashed flat as a pancake. One crack. Pelvic bone from the base of my spine all the way down. My tailbone separated about three quarters of an inch. And when my wife said, what I do? I said, you call some folks to pray. Did I finally, I finally went to the hospital. Couldn't get off the ground. And my, I started passing in and out, going in and out of consciousness. And I come to her, my oldest daughter was there. She just a bawling. Oh, she was a, she trained to be a lifeguard. She said, Mama, so you're going into shock. You're going to have to do something. And I come to my daddy-in-law was standing there, and he told my wife, he said, you better call ambulance because he had to come over there. My stomach swollen like a basketball. She's probably busted all up inside and bleeding internally. He said, you better give you some help. I don't know if there's something wrong in my internal organs, but I'm going to tell you something. By the time I got to the hospital, wasn't nothing wrong. Wasn't nothing wrong with my internal organs. Everything was fine. But I can tell you, I went through some pain I ain't never went through before and don't want to go through again. Did God heal me instantly? No. But He healed me completely. I didn't have surgery. Still got a disc in my back crack. Still got one crushed. Don't take pain pills. Don't live in pain. Because God healed me. I mean, I've been x-rayed. I've had to have x-rays. About five or six years after it happened, I sat in a parking lot uh, working. Uh, my dad passed away. And I took over his locksmith bed, and I sat there to work, bench working. Lady left her kids in the car, and they yanked it out of gear, and it turned around, come down the hill, and hit me head on. Boom. Me sitting, me sitting dead still in the parking lot. And so I had to go to the hospital, cause the insurance. They took me in there, and they x-rayed me, and that doctor come in there, did them x-rays in her hand. She said, you okay? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you in pain? I said, no, not really. She said, but you got a crushed disc. you got no compression fracture. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you don't have no pain? I said, no, ma'am. She said, you take pain pills? I said, no, ma'am. She said, you don't have arthritis in that back? I said, no, ma'am. She said, how you walk without pain? I said, God's good. She didn't understand. Because she was looking at x-ray. I should have lived every day of my life in pain 24 hours a day. But don't. Because God's good. And I thank Him for His mercy. You see, God's got to help us condition ourselves to get our minds stayed upon the Lord. Stayed upon the Lord. We spend too much time letting too much stuff get in our spirit that we just got to turn around and push out. Y'all appreciate this word today. I appreciate this word today. Hallelujah. And I thank God for His goodness. And y'all please pray with us because we're going to try to get our live stream to Africa launch this week. Uh, I got another man supposed to call me. Because this guy told me, he said, preacher, he said, sound like you got all your equipment about where you need it. And he told me to get something for the sound. So we're going to get a small PA head for the sound. He said, that'll make it better. He said, but he said, I'd focus my money in my lighting. You know how you're lighting. He said, you'd be surprised what lighting will do on a TV show. And so he said, I'm going to have another man call you. He said, he's a lighting engineer. 
I mean, just God just put the, start putting all this stuff together. I thought, man, ain't that great? So he sent me an email the other day. He said I talked to the talked to the man. He said he's supposed to get with you one day next week, and and he said you may have to do like a FaceTime or a Skype, show him what you got. Said he can tell you where to place your light and then what kind of lights to get. I said, thank you, Jesus. So we'll start out with what we got, and we'll do the best we can do till God gives us the means to do better. But it's something y'all don't pray about. Because, you know, I've traveled India, Philippines. Hadn't been to Africa yet. Let know I'm going to. Because the Lord told me, he said, you start this. God told me this back in 2017. He said, you start this live stream. He said, then you're going to have miracles on, online, over the Internet. He said, then I'm going to send you to these other countries. He said, start churches. It's like Paul said, for I believe God. I do. I believe him. I believe him. Because I'm going to tell you something, people over there, a miracle happens, they can see, it causes them to believe. It causes them to believe. Was it a town in India back in, can't remember whether it was 91 or 93, I went 91, 93, 94, then I didn't go back to 06, 07, but was in a town, it was, it was mainly Muslim, and they'd throw rocks at the car every night, we'd pull it on the grounds. For about the first three nights. I mean, we didn't know. Sometimes we went in. We're going to make it in. We come out. We're going to get out. Because they're waiting on us. And finally had to have police protection. But about the third night in that meeting, they brought a little blind boy. He was Muslim. Brought him in there and God opened his eyes. But the next night, that ground's filled up with Muslims. Wanting to hear about this God named Jesus that works miracles. Isn't, isn't God good? Isn't God good? I remember I was in a, I think this was 94. Yeah, I know it was 94. Uh, I was getting ready to leave. We'd been over about 30 days. I was getting ready to leave. And there was a man there and was about, probably about 100 miles from, they used to call it Bombay. I think it's Mumbai now or something like that. We was about 100 miles from Bombay where we had to catch a plane. And, was going to catch a little local plane next morning. And this guy lived about 50, 60 miles from, if it was even that far from Bombay, might not have been that far. But anyway, he lived outside of Bombay, and he had a church there. And I told him, I said, uh, how about I just come by and preach for you tomorrow night on my way to the airport? I said, I don't want to spend one night in the heathen nation. I ain't preaching Jesus. He just hung his head. He said, Brother Mary, you don't want to come to my church. I said, why? He said, I ain't got about 50, 60 people. And he said, you stood up here before 30, 40,000. And he said, you going to come to my little church? He just started crying. I said, you get on that bus and you get back there and you get them people together for tomorrow night. So I'm going to tell you something. We got there. He had a little rented schoolroom. It might not even been this big. And when I got there, they was already sitting on the floor out the door. Then had about 300-some people. And I had to step between them to get up where I was going to preach. And I got to preaching, and I didn't realize it, but they set a loudspeaker in the window. And that thing got to blasting out over that neighborhood. And the more I preached, the more people scooted forward, the more I backed up. I looked, and the courtyard was full, and it was out in the road, and I just kept backing up. When I got through preaching, I said, everyone wants to accept Jesus, stand on your feet. And they stood on their feet. I said, now, if you want Christ to accept him and you believe what I said, take a step forward. And they took a step forward. My back was against the wall. And I prayed for people for over an hour and a half. And what I didn't realize, they had a big Hindu feast down the road. And they was coming down that road, and they was hearing me talk about a God named Jesus. And what all he'd do. And I prayed for it. And I got this on video somewhere. I, I, I hope I can find it. And lady come in. She's holding a little, look like about three or four year old boy in her arms. She is the last one I prayed for. And I asked the interpreter, I said, what's wrong with him? She said, he's blind. She said, this lady coming down the road and heard you talking about a God named Jesus. Don't blind eyes. 
So now she won't see him do it. Someone will tell you something, don't go preaching something. You can't manifest. And I said, all right, Lord, you heard her. <laughs> so I had the interpreter tell the mom I took a handkerchief, put it over the little boy's eyes. And I said, I'm going to take the handkerchief off after I pray for him. I said, I want to tell him what he sees. I put that handkerchief over his eyes and I cursed that blind spirit, charged it in the name of Jesus to come out. Boy, I felt it. Oh, man, I felt that thing. And I pulled that handkerchief off and his eyes were still fixed. And for about 45 seconds, his eyes just stayed fixed. And I done learned not to panic. Because sometimes it takes a little bit. I've had several I've prayed for and their eyes stay fixed for about 30, 45 seconds, sometimes a minute. But then they'll... And so I was watching him and I took that prayer cloth and I started waving it about this far from his face. And I asked him, asked the interpreter, I said, tell him, tell me when he sees something. The devil said, that boy can't see. I said, devil, you're a liar. I felt you leave. <laughs> and I just stand there waving that prayer cloth. And I was watching that little boy's face and his eyes was fixed. And all of a sudden I seen his eyes go side to side and look at, he looked right up in his mama's face. He looked up in his mama's face, a big smile come on his face. And he stuck his finger out like this. And the interpreter asked him, he said, he sees that rag you're waving. That woman left that meeting. I got a letter from that brother about a month later. He had to go get a bigger building. Wound up almost 300 people in his church. One miracle. All God's got to do is reveal itself. People hungry for God, they're going to come. Amen. Don't you love Jesus? But see, we can't do nothing without him. We can't do nothing without Him. There ain't no gift, ain't no anointing, ain't no healing, ain't no miracle that you've got control over. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. And I've had, you know, I'll have people say, well, Brother Matter, I want you to come pray for so-and-so for God to heal her. I said, only if God speaks to me. Got a family lady been in the hospital now for about a month. And they said, well, we know you got faith. We know. Because they've been around the meetings for 20, 30 years. They said, we know God will work miracles. We've seen it happen. I said, yeah, but what you don't understand. I said, God don't tell me to. I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. And I said, if only God speaks to me, well, I come pray for Well, God ain't spoke to me. And i got to wait on a little. What you going to do without him? What you going to do without him? Care what kind of gift you got, what kind of anointings in your life. It all works by the Holy Ghost. It all works by the Spirit of Christ. If He don't tell you to, you can't. Amen. So just that one miracle, though, over there, put almost 300 people, because that one went back to her village, started showing everybody what God done. Almost that whole village got saved, and there's almost 300 people in that village come got saved, give their heart to the Lord. And I, I didn't... Hear from that brother again, but last time I heard from him, he had over 300 people. And he was a Muslim himself before he got saved. He did. He told us, he said, I got a price on my head. He said, if I get back around that home, he said, I, I got to sneak around at night, see my family and my friends. He said, if I don't, they'll kill me because I've accepted Jesus. It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy world. But I appreciate the Lord. Let's ask God to bless this word in our hearts, if you would, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, let this word take root in our hearts, Lord. Let it go down, take root, spring upward, and bring forth fruit. We need something to help this generation, Lord. My heart's heavy today. God, because I know so many people, their lives are being destroyed by the bondage of the devil. Let us take hold of what you're doing that we can bring forth fruit. That we can manifest the Christ in action, indeed, by the working of your Spirit. Thank you for this word today, Lord. Thank you for people that had an ear to hear. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. Does anybody need prayer? Does anybody need prayer today? I always want to, well...
Y'all know I don't offer like I used to, man. I used to wouldn't preach. I didn't have prayer line pray for folks, but I've kind of slowed that way down now and just kind of wait on the leadership of the Spirit. But we'll tell you, a lot of people have been healed because they exercise faith. But then there's a lot of people that, well, I won't say a lot, but there's people they just, man, it takes that faith of God. You just got to know God spoke to you. So, anybody need prayer? If you do, come on right now, and I'll be more than happy to pray the prayer of faith for you. Nobody? Okay. I want to receive our tithe and offerings and whatever you want to give to help us. Yeah. I'll put the church bucket on this side. Anything you do for world revivals is tax deductible. And I'm going to put some over here, bucket over here, if you want to help us personally, because we live by faith. So good to see you. Hope you're doing well, man. Good, it's good to see you. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed. Thank you, Lord. Brother, I hope you heard the word today. Praise God. You're welcome to come be with us anytime, and you can spread the word and let people.